of Who Died with Pete and Alex. It's your weekly guide to some of the famous, infamous, and noteworthy figures who have passed on to another plane the week of April 26th to May 2nd, 2023. Um, yeah, that's, uh, if, if you're sticking with us last week, we did our first episode. This is our second episode covering just the likes of, of people who have passed away in the last week. So um, hopefully you get the idea. Um, and Alex, I think you have our first, uh, our first honoree. Yes. Uh, the first, um, uh, person we want to, uh, mention is Jerry Springer. Yes. Uh, the famous American talk show host and sometimes politician born February 13th, 1944. We left, he left us on April 27th, 2023. Most of the people listening to this probably know who Jerry Springer is, so I don't think we need too much of an introduction. Um, I was shocked to see that uh, the Jerry Springer show, his uh, his titular talk show, ran from uh, 1991 to 2018. I had no idea it was still going in 2018. Hmm. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's what was it on network TV this whole time too? It didn't. Uh, I think it was. I, I think it was syndicated most of the syndicated, time. You don't right, show yeah. on show up on sure. your. Uh, uh, before doing uh, his talk show, of course, he was the mayor of Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, after that, he became a local news anchor, and that kind of segued into more of a broadcasting career. Uh, mm-hmm. The Jerry Springer show originally started off as a political talk show, addressing mm-hmm. you know hardcore issues and stuff, and. Not surprisingly, no one watched that, so he's decided to shake things up a bit by turning it into a uh, circus. Yeah. And um, tremendously popular show in its time. It uh, There was a time where you could go, Jerry, 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 <laughs> and everyone would know what you were talking about. Right. Um, and so uh, I thought you might like this, Pete. After, uh, in 2014, he started doing some specials for the WWE so mm. you uh, wrestling fanatics should go check that out to see. I don't know if it's like greatest hits, if it's the kind of thing where they have two guys on and they fight each other. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, Spring of the ring. I don't know. what, what uh... <laughs> Jerry Ringer. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yes, first honoree, um, Jerry Springer. Do you know, have... I, I don't want to take away from from the uh, our our first honoree this week the dearly departed mr springer uh-huh. but i was very much in the um the richard bay show camp nine broadcast <laughs> plaza into richard bay show which i felt was more of an obviously morton downey jr kind of that kind of thing led into yeah but i feel like the richard bay show did a lot of laid a lot of groundwork here <laughs> yeah the richard bay show was sort of the uh it walked so jerry springer could run yeah um and um, but uh, Jerry Springer definitely culturally uh, important, and I know there were some. Um, I feel like their famously lax uh, background checking their, their their vetting process was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I think I know some people who, not friends of mine, but friends of friends would like just go make up a story and go be on Jerry Springer every once in a while as as guests that kind of a thing. Yeah, they'd make up some crazy like. And and some of them made it on, made it to air, but they'd just make up a story and go like kind of pitch it to be on Jerry Springer. And they, the, I think the producers were just kind of like, "All right, whatever, you say so." 
That uh, really shakes my, it really rocks the foundation mm. of my uh, faith in the Jerry Springer show. I'm sorry to do that to you. Hmm. Oh, well. Hmm. Well. Um, well um, who are you, who are, so uh, moving on from Jerry Springer, what's next on the uh, roll call of well, pastors? Well, uh, I wanted to uh, uh, give a posthumous tip of the cap to uh, Dick Grote. Dick Grote. Dick Grote uh, passed away on April 27th of this year uh, at, at age 92. He was born 92. Uh, November 1930. And um, Dick Grote, uh, All-American college basketball player for Duke, played about half a season for the Fort Wayne Pistons, which blew my mind a little bit because the Detroit Pistons is one of the perfect team names. It makes sense. It's like, oh, it's localized. Yeah. Uh, but it, it turns out I learned a little bit. That uh, the actual, the Pistons were, the the Fort Wayne Pistons were a basketball team started. They were owned by the company that made all the Pistons for like everything pretty much. That huh. was based in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Huh. And then a- as the NBA grew, they uh, were like, well, Fort Wayne is too small of a town for a team like this. And so they moved them to the logical place, which was Detroit. So it's a, it's a good uh, good synergy there. Um, but, uh, you know. So Fort Wayne was the Richard Bay of Piston exactly. teams. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Um, theme he played, of the about half, <laughs> played about half a season for the Fort Wayne Pistons uh, in the NBA and then left uh, uh, left to enlist in the Korean War. Um, but that is not what makes it notable. The notable thing is that in addition to that, he also happened to be an eight-time All-Star shortstop and two-time World Series champion in Major League Baseball. Wow. He's one of only 13 people ever to play both basketball and baseball at the professional level. Bo and Jackson? Or was he a football player? That was football. A oh, lot. Of, okay. There's, there's more. As these things have gone on, I think it's football and baseball are the ones that are schedule wise the most doable. That makes sense because with the winter sports, there's a little bit of overlap with the other sports. Um, whereas baseball and and football are kind of more or less. You know, only the first couple of football games of the season might intersect yeah. with with the baseball end of the baseball season. Um. But Dick but, Grote, um, he did basketball and baseball. Dick Grote, basketball and baseball. He was actually, you know, college basketball player, signed up to play, Was I think he was drafted and, and went to play uh, baseball, then was uh, do was doing both. Actually, I think while he was in college, he was also, so I think he was doing basically three things. He was in college and then was playing, in the summer was playing baseball. Are we sure that Dick Grote was not three different people? Like triplets uh, pretending I, to be one person or something? <laughs> I'm not even mentioning his later golf career. Wow. But, um, his, uh, yeah, he, he was he was in college playing basketball. I think started playing baseball in the summer, then started playing pro basketball. But during that first season, he enlisted. He saw the writing on the wall with the, with the uh, military action in Korea. And um, was like, well, I'm going to get drafted. So let me just enlist now so that when my term is up, it's in time for spring training two years from now for baseball. Because he was he was much like his baseball career was doing much better than his basketball career at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he foresaw that. And he was like, let me do this on my terms. Yeah. Signed up uh, in the middle of the season. So only played half that season for the Pistons. And was doing well on the pistol. It wasn't like a scrub, you know what I mean? He yeah. he, he was, uh, I think he might have led the team in in some categories when he left. But then he left, went to the war, 
when he came back, the manager of the Pirates was just like, hey, if you're coming back, you're not you're not playing basketball. You're just doing baseball. Um, otherwise, there were, there were financial incentives to make it. So they're like, look, just stick with baseball. And he liked playing basketball, but it yeah. made it worth his while to play baseball. And it, and it paid off because he ended up being an eight-time All-Star shortstop, Sheesh. like I said, and, and won the World Series twice with the, with the Pirates, I believe. Yeah, back then also, I imagine baseball was a much more popular. Basketball was still not really, like now basketball is very popular, but I feel like in the sure. 50s, it wasn't quite the same. Baseball, you know, yeah, been America's pastime since, you know, the 20s yeah, or something. Exactly. So. Yeah, that was always going to take precedence. But, yeah. Uh, like yeah, being a lacrosse player. Yeah. You're not going to focus on that. In Canada, maybe. Yeah. Um, it, interestingly, I had just the other day looked up the list of 13 players who had played both basketball and baseball because I was um, I was looking up I, I um, this is a long complicated story but hey that's what we're here for um, uh, my my kids had gotten some there's some some NBA uh, kinder eggs you know kinder eggs the little kinder joy whatever the little chocolate things that have a little toy inside I thought those were outlawed in America and they do them differently here now. They put the toy okay. in a separate compartment. Okay. Um, and the uh, the toys inside were NBA mascots. Fun. And uh, they had they assembled their little toys, and they come to me asking me what, what who are these. And um, I knew one of them off the off the top of my head was was Stuff the Magic Dragon, who's the Orlando Magic's uh, mascot. Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't quite, even though it's one of my local teams, didn't know the other one. Turns out it's semi-recent. Uh, it's Chuck Condor, who is uh, the L.A. Clippers mascot. Is that supposed to be like and a was, pun on Chuck Connors? That's what I thought. And I was like, why would why would it be Chuck Connors? He was like an actor. <laughs> and then I looked it up. Turns out he was also a basketball player. Huh. And he played baseball and basketball. And so I was like, oh, so he Chuck Connors is one of the one of the thirteen, I believe. Wow, um, and he was or, a movie star. Or I got to Actor him anyway. via that. I'm pretty sure I should have done, should have written this down in my notes. But I'm, Chuck Connors led me to this list of 13 people who had played both basketball and baseball professionally. Mm-hmm. And um, then I was like, oh, all right. So maybe that is a pun on Chuck Connors. I don't know. There's no. He's also, I think, in in cahoots with Chuck Taylor, the shoes, because he wears Chucks. And it's a big deal. The, the mascot, not Chuck Connors. Okay. <laughs> um, and so it, it organically, I happened to look at this page i was reading a little bit about dick groat last week and then boom here he is an honoree this week so wow so you'll have to let us know who you're reading about this week so we can prepare ourselves for their untimely uh passing Mm, sorry (laughs) um but yes that's uh, so dick groat uh all-star athlete across the board goodbye goodbye funny man and let's also say goodbye, funny man, to folk rock singer Gordon Lightfoot, the uh, mm. Canadian legend. Are you familiar with Mr. Lightfoot's? You've probably heard his music, even if you don't know that you've heard it. Yeah, I know the name, but I could not yeah. tell you which songs were his. Um, uh, here in America, his three biggest hits were a song called Sundown, uh, mm. another song called If You Could Read My Mind. That's a popular mm. soft rock uh, song. And That's not, uh, not the man... No. Can you read my mind? Okay. Um, and probably the song he is best known for, what has been referred to as his finest song, The uh, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which uh, sure. was a um, 
sort of uh i know you've mentioned that sea shanties are gaining in popularity at the moment so maybe mm. the kids uh, might get it they into... might already be over they might already oh, okay be yeah it's passe. Might be, uh... anyway the song if that we you know about it is passe <laughs> yeah it's true if it's already filtered up to the old people then yeah um the um Bob Dylan referred to he said he loved Gordon Lightfoot and said I can't think of any Gordon Lightfoot song that I don't like hmm. and um not so, love like like well yeah. still it's pretty good yeah, considering still, there's good. no yeah. song you don't like that's pretty high yeah. praise no skips um, yeah um so uh a big a big influence on Gordon Lightfoot was Stephen Foster hmm. mid 19th century music composer and uh sure. that's it's a Interesting hearing someone in the relatively modern age referring to uh, someone from a hundred years ago. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out somebody from the early 20th century to be kind of uh, to model myself after more. I'm gonna be like, yeah, one of my big influences is. I mean, I guess it's not that you know, it's yeah. not that unusual. Like, you know, even if I'm picking people from my youth or childhood, it's it's gonna end up being like you know ancient history to a lot of people the fact that it's in the 20th century at all you know yeah exactly <laughs> um i guess you also would run into problems because most of the people from the earliest 20th century and 19th century would probably have some political views that now people would be like that's mm -hmm. your big influence so yeah um Anywho, um, so some notes on The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. It's my my personal favorite Gordon Lightfoot song. I like Gordon sure. Lightfoot in general. Surpri mm -hmm. I was surprised how much I like him. It's it's good, um, you know, kind of, it's like mellow folk rock. Um, mm. And he has a distinctive voice. But uh, anyway, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald was a real sailing ship that uh, sunk in Lake Michigan in 1975. And uh, 1976... Uh, less than a year after the ship sang, Gordon Lightfoot came out with a song and tried to make it as accurate as he could. Hmm. But at the time, the ship, which was lost, they didn't know the details of what had happened. So, um, um, have they found out? It's odd for me to think of a shipwreck in a lake, but I know that makes sense. Lakes are huge, but yeah, yeah. Me thinking um, like, oh, a shipwreck in a lake. <laughs> yeah, it seems like people just get to swim from the shore and pull yeah. the people in. But uh, th yeah. these lakes are pretty great, so. Yeah. Um, so I hear. But uh, so eventually they did find the ship, and um, but Gordon Lightfoot kept up with the information that was being learned, and when he performed it live, he would update the song to more oh, accurately reflect uh, what was going on. I had to uh, respect that uh, hmm. that uh, historical um, persnickety. Yeah, take, hope you're taking notes, one Mister William Joel. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, Finally, the uh, comedian Richard Jenny said that the record of the Edmund Fitzgerald is the perfect song to play when you want guests to leave a party. Mm. So, uh, Gordon Lightfoot left our party May 1st, 2023. Oh, so he's sailing off from that great shipwreck in the sky? I don't know. That, that makes it sound <laughs> yes. kind of daunting. Yes. Well, um, now, do you think he would, would he show up on the Yacht Rock channel that I listen to from time to time? Is that, uh, oh, wait, well, or is it, is it a little too folksy? I don't know. I mean, it is a song about a ship. So yeah. I don't know if it, would that make it more likely to be, um, hmm. does it get in on a technicality? We'll have to yeah, find we'll out. Yeah, we'll have to see. You think he might be a little mellow for Yacht Rock. I know yacht, some Yacht Rock is mellow, but it's yet sure. mellow in a, like, 
cool, seductive kind of way, not in a right. sitting around a campfire strumming, uh, strumming mm. a uh, yeah. A lot of songs about nature, right. Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, okay. So, well, so who's up uh, next, Pete? For my next honoree, I'm going to return to the Korean War mm. in a sense, and I'm going to. Uh, Tip my hat to uh, also on May the 1st, uh, age 79 years old, the actress Eileen Saki hmm. passed away. Um, she was born November 18th, 1943 in Japan. And uh, we know of her because she was the last of three actresses to play Rosie, the proprietor of Rosie's Bar in the television series MASH. Hmm. She was uh, not only the last, but the longest tenured. She did uh, eight episodes as Rosie. Hmm. Um, and there were two other actresses who each did two episodes each. Um, oddly, in one... Of, so Eileen Saki also played a Korean woman in one episode, which I think was Bug Out, which is a famous episode. Um, and in that episode... One of the other actors played Rosie, hmm. and so she was she was on playing Korean woman, and then came back as Rosie. She was like, "That's the job I want." Right, <laughs> and then I think these other actors might have come back as other characters later on too. Yeah. That they, but they, um, but uh, also notably, uh, I think Alan Alda pointed out that this is he retconned it in then the actual Rosie's bar or the one that is based on. Um, yeah. from from you know people's stories of of uh, um, you know having having been in the action in Korea, um, there was an actual place like this, Rosie's Bar, and it passed from Rosie to her daughter, who just became Rosie for continuity's sake. Mm-hmm. I don't think her name, I don't, maybe neither of their names were actually Rosie. I don't know, but it basically like okay, you're Rosie now. So it's like it it they they added in that all right, maybe this is just. The retcon for this actor change is just like, all right, whoever is running the bar is Rosie. Let's just leave it at that. Alan Alda really said this? This doesn't sound very, like, in the 70s, people reused actors all the time. Did someone actually confront him and say, how come Rosie's in there? But I, I think he was pointing it out as a, he was doing in his memoir or whatever, was talking about the show and was talking about Rosie's bar and was said, like, that there were different actors. And he was like, he was happy to learn that it's based on you know in reality rosie's mm-hmm. bar had a couple of different proprietors and so he was like oh it's like that got it not that not that he was a continuity stickler but he was uh, yeah he it's was like happy to, kind of yes he wasn't called coach cheers so okay <laughs> coach's bar yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah eileen saki also was in a handful of uh handful of other things that we've uh, that we've seen and uh the one that uh, tickled my fancy she played uh dr fujimoto in splash so she was in huh. mash and splash the mash and splash <laughs> connection i i think she might be the only one who was in both but i can mm. um i could be wrong i'll have to i didn't do that math the math the the, the mash splash math <laughs> but um i'm surprised she was only in eight episodes as rosie or it sounds like and Rosie then, was only in like a total of ten episodes altogether, but I remember her as a character. Uh, but that 12. show ran for, but still, the show ran for twelve years or something with right so with like twenty. One year. It's like a, yeah, it's like Q almost. You know, Q yeah, is, so. probably isn't a few more episodes than that, but yeah, you know, a recurring character. And I think they would talk about Rosie's bar, or you would maybe. see maybe Rosie's hmm. bar sometimes when you didn't see Rosie, right? But uh, yes, Eileen Saki. Uh, born again, born in 1943 in Japan, and then 
came to America to be uh, to be an actor and and ends up playing a, a character in the playing a Korean character in the Korean uh, TV show about the Korean War while a war is going on in Vietnam. It's a complicated. Yeah. Complicated tangle of, of U.S. Uh, she has like she's like the trifecta. She's born right. during the World War II in a show about the Korean War while the Vietnam War was going on. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, um, we, so, we honor one another veteran of yes. uh, <laughs> the television. I, I believe. Wars. I believe the other. T- oh, I think one of the other actresses has passed on, but there is one Rosie remaining. I believe. Could be wrong. The remaining we'll Rosie. That. The remaining Rosie. Remember last uh, last time there was the one survivor of uh, why does all my stuff revolve around war? But uh, wow. last time I was talking about the one survivor of the uh, of the Pearl Harbor bombing, and this time I'm going to talk about I've got one one Rosie remaining. So eat, I'm going to inject a little ray of hope into each one of these. Nice, that's a good good way of looking at it. There you go. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to tackle a historical death this week, uh, mm. turning back the pages of history. To May 2nd, 1972, yes, we all remember where we were when we heard that J. Edgar Hoover, Hmm. lifelong director of the FBI, was when uh, he uh, kicked the bucket. And I'm going to speak a bit disrespectfully about him because I feel like J. Edgar Hoover was kind of falls more on the monster side of history. So Hmm. I don't mind um, being a bit more. uh... Anyway, let's get into the details about him. Um, J. Edgar Hoover, born in 1895, back two centuries ago. Wow. <laughs> and um, he got into a career as law in 1917 at the outbreak of World War One. Another war connection. Mm, uh, President Wilson appointed him the head of the Alien Enemies Bureau. Doesn't mm. that sound... Uh, it was from a different time where we could just outright state that people were enemies as opposed to just kind of like, you know... Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, more uh, vague, right, the, the, uh, vague things. Uh, relations or something we would we would call them i don't know what uh I, i'm gonna let's enemy relations that term, though. enemy resources yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um and uh after that he did so good at it in 1919 the war is over and uh but now we're all concerned about domestic problems here at home uh and so he became the head of the radical division he went from mm. alien enemies bureau to the radical division it's like these are all really cool these sound like black and white comics from the 80s <laughs> late 80s yes um this is when the infamous palmer raids happened where uh basically uh at this point they were targeting socialists anarchists communists and uh deported many many people um mm. He did such a good job at that. He became he was appointed the head of the the proto FBI in 1935. The FBI is formed. J. Edgar Hoover is right there to run Mm. it. Um, And uh, their number one priority during those times, communism. Sure. They were trying to stamp out the communist menace and Mm -hmm. um, see also all the wars I just talked about. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, One of the noteworthy things about um, uh, Hoover is that he was very um, not eager to prosecute the uh, American mafia. He did, he denied it. Ex- he wasn't, What's wasn't that? Jay Eager Hoover. <laughs> no, he was not. He was um, he was very reluctant. He, he he said there's no such thing. Organized crime is a myth, and mm-hmm. um, there's been speculation that the reason and this is during the 30s. You know, we're talking about the Al Capone. This is a classic. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, the classic, you know, he might have been the 20s. Anyway, but, you know, it's still right. um, prohibition and all that. And so there were some allegations that the F, that the uh, mafia had some uh, dirt on Mr. Uh, Mr. J. Edgar Hoover, mm. and uh, which was uh, doubly ironic because that kind of became J. Edgar Hoover's calling card. Um, at one point, he had what was cons- what was called possibly the largest collection of pornography in America. Mm. And okay. a lot of it was secret footage of the rich and famous in, you know, dalliances that he would use to kind of strong arm people into. He basically had this kind of leverage over so many people, mm-hmm. including presidents. When oh, uh, when Nixon uh, was in the White House, he wanted to get rid of Hoover, but he's like, he's too, like, he, he has too much dirt on everyone. And you can imagine, you know, if Nixon's worrying about dirt, it must be some really, it must be some really um, yeah. bad dirt. Um you doing a, a detergent commercial there? <laughs> His hands were tied. Um, <laughs> some other people who were targeted by a Jagger Hoover who uh, we know, John Lennon, Muhammad Ali, sure. mm-hmm. and um, he was blackmailing Martin Luther King. Imagine mm. w- which side of history you're on when you're famous for being the person who blackmailed Martin Luther King. <laughs> yeah. So, um, finally, in uh, he... he so he started the FBI in 1935, and he was in the saddle until he died. No one could kick him out because he was so entrenched and had so much uh, dirt on everyone. So um, here you go, J. Edgar Hoover. Mm. Um, and, you know, after he died, there was tons, not even before he died, there were allegations about his personal life that, uh, sure. that you know, he uh, was uh, dallying in things that he would have publicly condemned at the time. And so that uh, tends we, to be the case. The you know the, the people who are the strongest opposition to uh, um, what they term to be you know uh, things that are illegal or immoral. The people yes. who are the loudest about it are usually doing usually the ones who are doing it and <laughs> overcompensating. It seems to happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, but um, yes. Yeah, so let's uh, let's give a tip of the hat and uh, mm. let's give a tip of the hat to Jake or Hoover. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Our um, last honoree of the day. <laughs> who, uh, you might not know this. No, this might not be in your notes. might not Hoover? be in the literature here, but Hoover. Um, who took over from him? Who was the second director of the FBI? Do you know? Uh, I think it was a guy called Pat Gray. It's actually mm. a... Were you going to say something about it? or No, no, no. I just... Um, yeah, it's actually kind of funny because it's... Uh, it's you know one of those great twists of history. Um, Hoover dies. Nixon gets to appoint a new FBI director. He doesn't want to appoint the second in command. He doesn't want to appoint Hoover's second in command, Mark Feltz, because he's like, I'm just going to be in the same boat. I want a new fresh face. So sure. he appoints this guy, Pat Gray. Mark Felt is not happy about this. And so he decides to start leaking information to reporters and would go on to infamy mm. as the infamous deep throat who eventually wound up bringing down the Nixon administration. So uh, mm, it's almost like Hoover was reaching from beyond the grave to to pull <laughs> down uh, to pull down uh, poor Tricky Dick. Exactly. So, He's uh, like the Palpatine of, of American, 20th somehow, century American politics. J. Edgar Hoover has returned. Mm. <laughs> Wrong show. Wrong show. But, mm-hmm. um, well, hopefully um, we've entertained you slightly. We will somehow return next week. I think we're going to keep doing these and... Um, like we said uh, last week, if there's, uh, you know, if you, somebody we missed, somebody you think we should, uh, we should have covered from this past week, let us know below in the comments if you're on YouTube. 
Otherwise, we're working on way, other ways to get in t- contact with us. But for right now, YouTube. Um, and, uh, and then hopefully we will uh, meet you back here next week to uh, give you another round of wrapping up, talking about the people who died. Who died? Who died?